We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. hero we deserve, but I believe I am the hero we need because in this time when everything is happening around us, what we need at this moment right now is a worrier. And I, my friends, am here to tell you that I can worry on your behalf. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, me on Twitter, Yank Gunner. That's right. I am ready to worry on your behalf so that you don't have to. Worrying for you so that you can put your thoughts and energies into other activities. I will explain why I am worried. You can probably guess a few of the reasons, but I do have worries. Now, the good news is I have uh, podcast colleagues who will tell me that I am an idiot, that I should not be worried, and all the reasons why. And in telling me not to worry, they will also be encouraging you not to worry. And so I feel that this is collective therapy for all of us. So happy to have you here. So excited for the season to be nearly upon us. We have the Community Shield. Maybe something else I can worry about, but we will talk about that more anon. A few things to tell you. Uh, first of all, Aaron Ramsdale uh, wrote an article for the Players' Tribune. I definitely recommend you read it if you get a chance. It's just a wonderful uh, way to understand him as a person. And look, ultimately, our conversations around football should be analyzing player performances and who's good and who's crap, and I like this player and I don't like that player, and that's totally natural. And he seems to totally get that, by the way. He understands what comes with the white-hot spotlight of the stardom of playing for Arsenal um, but does a great job drawing a line between that and, and abuse and where that line should be and really getting to understand someone as an individual and he talks about his family. It's just a wonderful article, so I would seek it out. It's um, over at the Players' Tribune. You can check that out. Uh, also, let you know that we have published our content schedule for the season over on our website, arsenalvisionpodcast.com, and it's a big one. There'll be instant reactions every Saturday or Sunday. There'll be a main pod every Monday. There'll be a rewatch or scouting video or something of that variety every Tuesday, Wednesday, as there will also be an instant reaction every Tuesday, Wednesday, because guess what? We're playing Champions League this season. Woohoo! And there'll be games every Tuesday, Wednesday. Every Thursday, there'll be a main pod. Every Friday, there'll be a rotating feature like uh, Premier League Power Rankings or Champions League Roundup or uh, SCAC or One Club Women's Podcast or something related to data. 
or multiples of that. And then we do it all again the next week. So about six days a week covered for you, if not more, um, if you're on Patreon. But if not, you'll always have the main pod, and we just love you for being here. Uh, we did launch our Fantasy League, so that's up and running. Lots and lots of good stuff. And we'll have our season predictions ahead, along with a new song for the new season. So if you like the song, I'm sorry. If you hate the song, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, we'll just we'll just see how it goes. So let's get into it. Um, we are going to talk about the Jesus injury news. We're going to talk about the Emirates Cup and some of the performances there. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to get stuck into from that game, actually. And here to do that with me now is Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stominator. Hello, Tim. Hello there. I'm reliably informed, Tim, that you are on your way to proper caffeination at this time. Yep. That, that process will be underway during the first 20 to 30 minutes of the podcast. So um, look out for my voice getting slightly faster and my opinions getting slightly zanier. Mm, that's fair. I think um, I've got the talking speed thing covered, so don't feel any uh, responsibility there. What I would say is I would love someone to do a supercut of podcasts comparing your slightly caffeinated pods versus slightly inebriated pods, the ones when you're on the beer versus on the coffee and, and see the difference between the two. It's, it's always one of them. I'd say listen out for the grinding teeth. That will tell you <laughs> the, the caffeine. Uh, I would have thought the grinding teeth was a different substance you might be on, but maybe, we're not going may, to... Maybe 20 years ago, but not so much now. <laughs> Fair enough. Good man. Okay, here with me now to discuss things other than uh, abusing substances, presumably, is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. How are you doing? The only substance you abuse, presumably, is the analysis of football matches. You just soak it into your brain at an unhealthy level, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. I went to the game, obviously, last night. So, yeah, I had a good chance to have a little look <laughs> and get the old... Right, Sometimes, right. this time of year, you end up analyzing fans. I think that's that's almost as interesting. <laughs> Because uh, no, I, I disagree. <laughs> I don't think that's almost <laughs> as interesting. But that's okay. I appreciate it. Guys, let's get right into... The worrying. Oh, by the way, I'll mention Austin Trusty uh, has gone to Sheffield United, officially announced five million pounds, uh, a good return on what was a pretty minimal investment. And great for the player, by the way, uh, once playing at a pretty low level of football, now going to play Premier League football. So kudos to him. Um, not to be confused with kudos, who we've done a scouting video of, and you should check it out. Um, okay. So we're going to start. I, I think there was a lot of really interesting stuff from the Emirates Cup, but I want to put my worrying hat on, get my whiskers affixed. Um, and talk about the, the Gabriel Jesus news. Gabriel Jesus has gone in for an arthroscopic cleanup of his knee, reliably told by people that are doctors or claim to be doctors on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> Always hard to know which. That this is a minor procedure, and according to Mikel, they expect it to be a few weeks. I think that is likely true, and you know, obviously all human bodies are different. I'm not going to teach you about that just yet depending on how old you are. But all human bodies being different means the recovery times can be different. The shame of it is, and I think Mikel expressed this in his post-match comments, is we were just starting to see the best Gabriel Jesus uh, come back. And it is Manchester United the first week of September. That's the game I'm sort of circling and looking at. Clive, how important is his absence for the start of the season? And I think what everybody's going to be wondering is, what's the right way to compensate for it? Because I think the three in the frame are probably Trissard, Eddie and Kedia, and potentially Kai Havertz. But it, it just, I have to admit, it feels like a gut punch because we, you know, watching him at SoFi Stadium against Barcelona in particular, you just saw that thing he adds that very few players can add in the way he, he can win that long ball that he's not favored for, get into the box against, against 
defenders 1v1. It's it's a big loss in my view. Yes, big loss in all our views. and um, mm. But it's not as big a loss as it was before we signed Trossard and Havertz. And, and that's the truth of it, right? Um, if this had happened, well, it did happen last year, we were we were worried. We had a, had a Christmas time podcast. Maybe we were worried about the lack of depth and Eddie coming mm-hmm. in. Would he, would he be there? It was quite probably the only animated pod we had last year where we were really concerned. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, funny enough, Paul was in the room. <laughs> so we were really concerned. Um, so I'm le- I, we have to look at this a bit more calmly. And so I'm less concerned than I would have been then. And it is a shame because what he showed at SoFi was the player. I somehow slightly forgot how influential he really, really can be. And some people say he's not a centre forward. He's going to win you the league. He's a 30-goal guy, a 25-goal guy. Well, you two are in SoFi and you saw his influence and you felt it. And mm-hmm. at that level, he can really influence a team in all different areas of that pitch, make partnerships, make combinations. And that's how we play. You look at our map, we have a we have a false 90 type guy in the middle gluing it all together and people rotating around him. So he plays that role really well. So that player will be missed. Then it comes down to how we replace him. And then we have choices, don't we? We have I'll just outline the choices and we can yeah. discuss them. And obviously there's Eddie. And the reason why I say about analyzing fans, Eddie, is I was in the ground last night and I was thinking, Eddie, you know, not too sure. I came away, I looked at the tape and I'm thinking, actually, Eddie played quite well. Yeah, I think, uh, same thing happened to me. Uh, same, <laughs> well, our misconceptions are really key here and I'm, I'm including myself in this. And so we have Eddie and I'll just include quickly Fabio Vieira who sofa scored, top scored yesterday. There are people angsty around him, but actually I thought he played quite well. So you have a diversion of opinions there. Then you look at, say, back to centre forward, you look at Trossard, and Trossard to me looks sharp. Looks really, really good. Playing a game for my life, connect the dots, make sure all the other players are connected in the team. I might be choosing him based on the effectiveness of the other players and making sure they're all in the game. Because his superpower seems to be I'm going to make all of you lot look really good in that front five. I guarantee it, minimum. <laughs> and so if I get a goal or two, great. You know, so if you're going for a game for your life, let's say Manchester United, I sort of want to choose him. Then there's the unknown of Havertz, who when you see him live, which you have and I have now, looks like a player that could plug into that role as a false nine. And we can play off him very, very easily. So I think it's interesting that it's back to the fan bit how we all see the game and what we want from that player in that position. I think it's, it's a personal choice, but maybe I would edge today towards the sharp guy in Trossard. So. Yeah, I think that's well said. I have to admit the same thing with happened with me with Eddie, and it, it goes to show you that you just do bring your preconceptions into your analysis of a match. I saw all the things Eddie didn't do in the game when I watched it live, and then when I watched it back, I saw all the things he did do. I mean, easy to see the goal, obviously, but... But yeah, a much better performance than I gave it credit for because I was really keyed into the things he didn't do. I, I think maybe what you have to do when you lose a guy who's as talented as Gabriel Jesus is decide which skill set you want to emphasize in the replacement. We don't have a replacement who can do all the Jesus things. So you have to say, which of the Jesus things do I want to replace? Eddie's probably the purest goal scorer. 
Chassard's probably the best technician, right? And an operator in tight spaces. Havertz is the one who probably gives you the back to goal stuff. So you got to decide which of those things you want. But Tim, I do think a couple things here. First of all, I think sometimes you have to take the names off the back of the shirt. Mm-hmm. You look at players, they tell you who to pick. I don't see how you could not pick Trissard the way he's playing right now. And in a way, this almost makes it easy for Mikel because he might have had a little bit of crisis of, do I play him in left eight? Do I play him over Martinelli? He's playing so well. How do I not use him? I think now you just use him in the in the Jesus role. And it's, I don't want to say problem solved. It's still a problem, but he's a guy who's showing you he needs to be picked and now he can be. I still believe we just massively underrate Jesus. Um, even coming back from a pretty big injury, he did very well down the stretch last season. Very rusty, did very well. This preseason, we started to see what he can be. I I think we misunderstand how much good seasons are driven by injury luck. Outside of Manchester City, and even Manchester City to some extent, the teams that win leagues, you look at their key players, they play 36 games, 37 games, 38 games. They just do. Um, And we're coming into the season with a few missing how big is the Jesus absence for you? And and do you agree that Trissard would be the one that should at least get first shot at it? Yeah, I, I think a few things about this. Um, first of all, like, clearly it's not ideal, but it doesn't look like a particularly big injury. And look, at some stage, you are going to lose key players. You just are. Um, you hope that it's it's not very long and they don't come in clusters and things like that, but, but you will. You just will. You can't go through a season without that happening. I think there are a few things to consider. One, we are in a much better position than when this happened at the World Cup because because we're talking about options now. When we were doing this podcast in November last year, we were talking about, oh God, can Nketiah do this? Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at, we got Nketiah, we got Trossard, We've got Balogun potentially still. Um, maybe, maybe we do. Maybe we don't. We don't know. Um, m- maybe this injury happening now. You know, maybe we look at Balogun and say, actually, you won't lose any value if we sell you in January instead, or you won't lose, or, or you're more valuable to us in the team until January. Yeah. And but also, not only have we got a combination of those options, and I agree, none of them are, are Jesus. We've still got. Like, I think that whatever happens, it will be Trossard and Inketia, and it will be a game share situation. And it's just a case of what the ratios are. And we could go horses for courses on that. And, and Arteta's spoken about being less predictable. So it might be Inketia versus Nottingham Forest. And then a week later, when we play Fulham, it might be Trossard. Um, you know, and. and it, it might not be one player doing it all the time. I, I think there are a couple of things. I think you're right. I think Trossard is really impressed in preseason, as he did um, in the second half of last season. And I was struck by talking about content from Aaron Ramsdale. There was a podcast I think he did last season, and I read the quote, but I never saw him say it before. He was on a podcast and he was talking about Trossard. And when I saw him say this, it really jumped out at me. He talked about Trossard and he said, in Trossard's mind, he hasn't come to be a squad player. He's come for someone's shirt. He said, just like me when I came and Leno was here, that's what that's what Trossard's thinking. He's mm-hmm. thinking... I'm not a rotation player. I want to be playing. And 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 that's great. That is what we want from all of these players coming in. But also, 
I also think, if you ask me now, I think he'll start in Ketia against Nottingham mm. Forest, maybe subject to what happens in the Community Shield. But a lot of what has happened in pre-season, I think, I think there's been a move not just to integrate the new signings, but to reintegrate some of those players that maybe we lost at the end of last season. So Vieira's got, and don't get me wrong, a lot of this will be fitness-based as well because they didn't play a lot of football, but Vieira's played a lot. Inketi has played a lot. Clive spoke about him getting rewarded by playing, like, was it, did he play the whole 90 minutes against United up mm. front or very close to it? This time he was the captain. Like, there's something going on there, I think, where I think there's a move to, like, puff Eddie's chest out a little bit again and kind of say, look, new season, you know, clean slate, let's go. Like, you're part of our plans. You're part of this team. You're part of this squad. Balogun's the one going out the door, not you. Like, let's get you back in here. That's why I think that Inketia will get the shirt initially and we will see Trossard as a, as a kind of impact sub somewhere, maybe in the left eight role. But there's also something here about, like, partnerships as well. Because we've got more options now, maybe we can look at this in different ways and perhaps we say, okay, if Eddie's playing up front, if we put Smith Rowe in the left eight, he can bring the ball to the penalty area because mm. Havertz is your off-ball player. Maybe Havertz and Inketia doesn't work because maybe they're two, they're both off-ball players. Maybe you have Trossard in the left eight with Inketia up front. Maybe you have Smith Rowe there, guys who naturally go and get the ball more and then Eddie being in the penalty area kind of matters less if that makes sense, if you've got those like guys who yeah. are going to go and get the ball. So I think I think there's options there. And I'll tell you something, that'd be really interesting if it was late July. It worries me slightly that it's less than two weeks from the season, only because we have mixed and matched a lot this preseason. We haven't seen what I'd consider sort of a first team out together yet. Now Jesus goes out. And we're going to be mixing and matching to start the season. And that worries me. And I'll tell you something, you know, we, we talk a lot on this pod about don't think in first 11s, don't think in first 11s. You want to know something? You have to have a first 11. There's never been a team that's won the league that didn't have one. And if you look at Manchester City, they mixed and matched, they mixed and matched. What did they do when they went and won 14 in a row or whatever? They kept picking the same side over and over and over and over again. That's what they did. Liverpool, when they were dominant, kept picking the same side over and over and over again. It's great to have options. It's great to have depth. But when it's winning time, you have to know who your best 11 players are. And so, you know, Clive, I do think combinations are really going to be important to how we sort this out. But I, I you know, I said I was going to worry. So, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't lie to you. I think it is a slight worry that we are heading towards the season and suddenly I'm, I'm not sure that Mikel can tell you exactly who he wants to pick you know, to, to go into that first run of three or four games. Um, what do you think the, the combination uh, options are for, for striker? Because I think, I think Tim's onto something there. Yeah, there's lots of different combination discussions there. But first things first, the fact we don't know our first 11 on the first game of the season is not the worst thing in the world. What is important is we, we know our first 11 when it comes to April. Right, So when it yeah. comes to winning time, that's what's really important. What's really important is we get to that period and we're not carrying people with rigor mortis around the pitch that we did last April and the April before. right? So post-international break. Because we've seen that before when the power comes out of our midfield, literally as it did at City. 
you know, where we had literally all three of them were not great, you know, in that game. We couldn't find them, mate. So when you have that experience two years on the trot, you have to think about the season differently. You have to think about accumulation in the first part of the season. Don't care how it happens, just accumulate. Make sure you have a smooth-running, fit, fresh machine towards the end of the season. So pre-season, what's it about? So it's about fitness primarily. But this year, I think, alongside that, it's been about smart minutes. Smart minutes positionally to create new combinations to see how they go. Right? So we've seen that we've seen Timber right back with Saka ahead of him. Personally, I wasn't too sure that worked too well because I thought he got a bit attracted to Saka. On another day, we probably would love it. So that's my view. Mm. Um, I didn't like the fact that we've seen Sleeber too often pulled out into right-hand channel because of the defensive combinations we tried with him. Kivior and Sleeper yesterday, maybe a little bit the same, want to sweep around. Do you know what I mean? When they do go in, they don't go in with enough aggression until they get popped off and suddenly running backwards. So I think that's that. I think we saw, um, and Tim just typed a bit of it, I was getting to that, Tim. <laughs> we, I think we saw uh, the left-back situation. So we saw Kivior in the early games playing left-back. Then we suddenly see Timber playing left-back. And we go, oh, that looks good. We saw Tommy Asu play left-back. Didn't look so good, did he? And I'm a fan of him there. Mm. That's going back, not very fit. Looked fitter yesterday, by the way. Um, and the right-back situation, so decision made. Maybe, Tommy, you're going to be the right-back because Timber looks really good at the left-back. I think he underpins that side, if you, particularly if you play Havertz on that side. But suddenly, you've got a more defensive full-back in behind him. New combination. Tick, solved. Does that mean? We saw another double-up in centre-mid yesterday. I'm sure you might get to it earlier with, with Rice and Party. New combination. We've seen. Yep. We've seen... We've seen Rice and Havertz. So we we this this is a we're on a journey of discovery. And I know we can't every point is exactly the same. But I don't want to do what we did last year. Cut and paste it, mate, straight on top, have a first level and play it till it dies. It won't last. We know this, don't we? We've we've got experiences. We've got two years of this. What and by the way, that got us from fifth to second. And a record win total, etc. So what we did before can get us so far. If we want to mm-hmm. beat the best statistical team in the history of the Premier League, we can't do that. Do you know what I mean? We've got to do something else with the Champions League on board. So what we're building for now, mate, is not August. What we're building for now is when Champions League kicks off again, post in the new year, we're building for that period of the season. When we're gonna, when we're gonna have to do what you love, rotate properly with serious depth. I know these combinations work. We can't afford to lose a goal away in Europe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a mindset change. Back to my line. I'm analysing fans in this some way because we need to mature our thinking to where this club is going. They already decided we're finishing the top two or three. They've already mm. decided we're all about winning. If we're all about winning. We got to change how we behave to make that next step. And I think that started in preseason. I think that's really well said. I I feel like in a way we're more set up to be City from last season than Arsenal from last season in the sense that I'm not convinced we're ready to hit the ground running, but I think we are well positioned to be immense in the back half of the season. What we know, and I think the reason for the angst, my angst anyway, <laughs> is that Manchester City leave you so little margin for error that <clears throat> not hitting the ground running doesn't mean you can drop six or eight points. It means you can drop two. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's that's the hard part. Um, I, I think we're really well positioned. Mainly we have to beat a finisher them. this 
We have to beat them. Well, yes, yes. And that's what we have to start getting to. We have to beat them. You told you you triggered this in my mind, Elliot. We beat them twice last year, and then we we end up with the trophy, right? So we have to by beat a mile, them. and that's the key. We yeah. have to beat them. Be ready to beat them, and that's what we need to work towards. It's a good point. You want a little more margin for error. Don't drop six points to your direct rival for the title, <laughs> right? I mean, if you even just take three points off them, you make your season so much easier—not easy, but easier—than if you lose those six points. Because if we had taken them instead of them, that's a twelve-point swing. Twelve points. There's no room for that. There's no. There just isn't the room for that, and it it, it makes the margin for error so tiny. Um, look, we'll see how it's all handled. And I want to be clear, right? My my. Anxiety about the mix and match lineups and whether we have a first 11 isn't, oh no, I think we're going to be bad. It's, I really want us to win the title. And those margins are very fine. And so the question is, how fast a start can we get off to? You know, we've gone through this preseason now, like this game, for example. Saka didn't play. Jesus didn't play. Zinchenko didn't play. Right? Gabriel didn't play. You got to be a little careful about the analysis of those kind of performances because in a positional system, depending on organization and distances and pressing, things just aren't going to be as sharp. I expect us to be sharp when we have something that looks a little more like our first 11. But one of the interesting things from this game, Tim, we got to see Declan Rice and Thomas Party play together. Mm. And that's, that's the interesting thing because I think the presumption all preseason, and, and to be fair, Mikel has supported this presumption with his comments, is that Rice is more of a six. And Kai Havertz is going to play more left eight. Odegaard is going to play the Odegaard role because it's named after him. But we got to see Declan Rice play the left eight and Thomas Partey play six. And this is where you just can't replace continuity. Thomas Partey, when he is on form, is an absolute Rolls-Royce footballer, as good as any central midfielder as there is in the league and in the world. And he looked like that yesterday. And Declan Rice looks like a guy coming from West Ham and David Moyes football. And trying to have the matrix plugged into his brain over a couple of weeks and figure it all out. And that's not a surprise. But I think it does lead to some interesting questions and conversations. So what are your thoughts on Rice and Party playing together and maybe the the very obvious difference between one guy who just looks so comfortable in the system right now and another guy just drinking from the fire hose in terms of footballing information? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I, I kept thinking as well during this game, like, you know, I've talked a lot about the kind of the shutdown team, as it were, and that, that like, all through pre-season, Jorginho's been coming on 60, 70 minutes, and that that tells me that's going to be a big part of his role. And he's looked great. Season. And yeah, 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 exactly. And so in a world where we don't have Declan Rice, you know, Jorginho was a January signing. You could just go... Yeah, Thomas Partey for seventy minutes. Manage him. Get him off. Jorginho on for the last twenty. That's that. That would actually in a world without Declan Rice, which would be a sad, horrible world. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. That that would probably be quite a neat solution to mm-hmm. the uh, the the Partey question, as it were. I, I think this was just well worth a look. That that's what this game struck me as. To be honest, this was like Mikel just having a look at a few things. You know, Tommy Asu back at right back. He swapped the fullbacks during the first half as well. Put Timber at right back and mm. swapped them back again. You've got Smith Rowe in the Erdgaard role next to Vieira, and so again with Eddie up front. Um, you know, it, it struck me as quite a cute move to have two carriers in the eight because one thing Declan Rice is great at, and I thought he did brilliantly in this game, is just he drives with the ball so well. He he probably hasn't got the shot 
at the moment or the final pass. But he drives with the best of them with the ball at his feet. He's so, so good at that. And I don't think in our, you know, in our first 11, as it were, we, we have that in many places. But like with Timber at left back, with, uh, with Rice in that left eight, with Smith Rowe in that right eight, we had a lot of that. What we probably didn't have in this game was that, that kind of just that, that technical last touch that an Erdegaard or Osaka gives you, that kind of, you know, bump the ball off behind, you know, in behind and, and get it inch perfect. There are a few, you know, balls into the channel slightly over hit, but it, it's just this team had different gears. It didn't always look amazing. It looked interesting to me, though. Th- this looked a bit more like a kind of runner-carrier team, and Partey at the base of that makes a hell of a lot of sense to me, where you've just got Partey sitting in the centre circle, stepping on the ball when he needs to, get rid of it, you know, spin it out wide or whatever, and then just sit there again, um, which which really, really suits him. But there'll be games where we can't or shouldn't do that. And that, that's what's really interesting to me. And I'll be really interested to see whether that was just a bit of a one-off look, maybe, or whether that's something we think about for Champions League games, or whether we start to tailor a bit more to the, the opponents we're playing. So maybe we think, yeah, this team's vulnerable to a couple of guys driving with the ball, or this to- this team's vulnerable to a, co- a couple of like lock pickers. So it that that's what it really looked like to me. This looked like a game for for runners, and like Trossard wasn't there, and Havertz wasn't there. You know, guys who who are a bit more kind of technical, come and show to the ball. It was very drivers and runners with Partey behind them, and I think that makes him look great as well so it it all just looks to me like it's a little bit more horses for courses now mm. I, I think your points are well made Elliot I don't think any of your anxieties are unreasonable or that I don't share any of them because I Huzzah. do because <laughs> <laughs> because I do like I absolutely do it's all very well look at like there, there's a world where we look great in April but we're 10 points behind if we're not yeah. careful also there is as Unai Emery's reign showed there is a very very fine line between tactical flexibility and just confusing the hell out of everyone and that's that's a very very thin line that the coaches are going to have to tread and I'm sure they know that and we are demonstrating a fair amount of trust in them to be able to do that. And look, everything they've showed so far means that they've earned that trust, but that doesn't mean it's a given that it's going to happen. However, I really think that's what we're literally, both literally and figuratively driving at is just those little different combinations, those different gears. And for me, the six just to kind of reiterate one of Clive's earlier points quickly, the big success of this preseason for me is finding Timber at left back mm. because we're not really talking about Zinchenko, one of our most important players. I th- I think like Timber, I think he's starting left back against City. I, I think he's going to be at left back now until Absolutely. Zinchenko's back. And agree. then we get all of those defensive worries, which I'm sure we'll come on to, we can play the three guys we played all of last season, sit Timber at left back, and I think we'd look a lot more secure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Look, I I will disagree on one thing just slightly, which is I don't think we can replace Zinchenko cleanly. I think he is much better than we give credit for, much more important than we acknowledge. <clears throat> and I think the defensive issues are maybe overstated, but... He is such an important player. 
I think Timber is as close as we're going to get. He does it. He does it differently than Zinchenko, but effectively, and that's all that matters. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, one one thing I I, I want to say I, though that I yeah yeah please. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to have a go on the rice and and party and yeah yeah I was going to give you give you a shot at it for sure. I I, I was just going to make the point, Clive, that like one of the things that's so interesting to me about rice is. We, we had talked before he arrived at this whole, you could play party in Rice and think about how much more solidity that gives you and structure and Rice can really go back to front. And like, the thing that sort of surprised me is he was blowing by 60 minutes. He looked a little physically like he was struggling, which was a bit of a surprise. And oh, by the way, we definitely did not look more defensively solid. We, they were picking passes in midfield pretty easily. They were turning us around and getting run at our goal, uh, getting us running at our goal a lot. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the party and rice combination because the, I'm not saying either. Well, party was excellent. I'm not saying rice was bad, but the impact was not what I would have expected. Yeah. So again, got to, we got to get the, the cut, the YouTube and the cut and paste stuff out of our heads so we can, so we can see what's happening. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's really important. So Monaco had two fantastic players, had more, by the way, I looked down on the pitch and I thought they're a young side. Well, actually, mm. we were young. We were younger. <laughs> we were younger. <laughs> and sometimes we we forget that, you know, so how young we actually are. They had a they had a also Yusef Fafana who was very very good in the day, and they have a left centre back called Mangasa, and he kept switching the ball from their left mm. to our left, and that was catching us out a little bit. And I thought. They were both superb players, ones to watch. You know, um, for final people know, but they've just sold Dizazi to uh, Man- uh, to Chelsea, I believe, a defender who's in the French team, and I can see why because this guy Mangasa is a very good player. So they were diagonal on us, and when when he diagonal on us, that sort of disrupts us a little bit. So on to on to Rice and Pai. I, I thought Pai was excellent. I think Pai's had a kick at the backside, and and I'm I'm sorry. That, the, the team plays to his beat. They give him the ball all the time. He's like a conductor. Yep. And and the pace of pass, his availability in passing lanes, I've not seen anyone do it yet as good as him. Right, So we get a rhythm going. It's like a Brazilian rhythm, and he's the guy that sets that tone. Now, Rice, in the early part of, this, of the game, I think he played a little bit nervously. And so... At West Ham a lot, he was doing the old Shaka left-back role thing early in the game, and I found he found himself, I want to make a good impression. So my idea of making a good impression is I'm going to cover us defensively. You know, so, and he just ran back. And you look at your five-up, and the five-up weren't there. And so then he adjusted, and then him and Timber started to play in different lines, like, like, we, like we do in our positional play. The Timber's on the outside, Shaka's on the inside. Now, when we, sorry, uh, part Rice on the inside, but when we have Grant Shaka playing in, in those rotations, we keep him offensive rotations, but we took him out of def- defensive rotations because we don't want him at left back anymore. So we kept him high. But what we do, what we can now do with Rice, we have now got more rotations defensively and the same amount of rotations offensively. So that left pod with with Martinelli, Rice, and Timber in there, and varying the lines that they're on, is far more expansive and creates more options than we had last season. Martinelli's not fit. Timber's only played that position about twice in the last six months. And Declan Rice is not fit. The potential of the left-sided pod, as I see it, another version of, we know the right side works, we know that's like top-of-the-league stuff, is the takeaway from this game. 
And eventually, Rice said, you know what, I, I can work this out now. I can pop it around, get back to support party. So his running recovery lines were very central, and he did really well to create a bounce pass for party, just like Shaka did. Took him half hour to work it out. There you go, tick, done. And then what he then did, he started wide, was comfortable out there, popped off his right foot, come inside. Then he started to play one-twos with Martinelli. And as soon as he did that, the one-two, well, good luck trying to catch him off the one-two. He's just, just like, he's like LeBron James running downhill. Just don't bother. He just ran through, left foot cross. That's the first time that our forwards have seen it. When the ball flashed across the box, Eddie was looking at it, saying, "What's that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's it's a ball, Eddie? You should be, you should be in there." Vieira thinking, "What's that? Quirky, I, I wasn't expecting that." Saka will do, you know. Jesus will do. Mm-hmm. Do you see where I'm going? We develop those yeah. relationships and all those movements have an end product. I thought the most fascinating thing. I was sitting next to a lady, her name was Lucy, actually, and she said hello to you because I said to her, oh, I do a bit of podcasting. And she said, oh, do you know Elliot? I went, flipping hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was having a conversation with her Where about it. <laughs> I said, yeah, I do know Elliot. I, I podcast with him. Oh, who are you then? <laughs> I boosted my ego, that was. Right? And so, um, and, we, and, and basically, you could see, we were talking about, we could see the learning going on the pitch, literally in five-minute chunks. It's very fascinating. I have the same worries as you, Elliot, but this team is a bright, young team willing to learn. So so can I stick with you just for a second, Clive, and then ask you, because the if it was just preseason, I think I'd be able to compartmentalize it. But we were very poor defensively down the stretch last season, and I talked myself into the idea that it was, oh, we were just missing Saliba, or, or oh, then we were missing Saliba and Party, or Saliba, Party, and Zinchenko. And we, to be fair, we haven't been playing with our our natural assortment of players this preseason like we were at the end of last season, uh, same as the end of last season. But the thing that's concerning, look, we've conceded a lot of goals, we've conceded a lot of chances. In this game, I saw a lot of times when the, the Monaco backline had time to pick a pass, was able to play the ball right up through the midfield to the center of the pitch, halfway line, and then one more pass, they've got us running back towards goal. And that's not something that was Mikel Arteta football for most of last season, but we did see it a bit at the end of last season. We've seen it a bit this preseason. I'm wondering, is it about the press? Just, you know, we're we're not going full steam. Are the distances wrong? Something feels off because that, availability of that pass to get right to the heart of our mid right past the heart of our midfield and get us turning and running the goal. That's been too regular a feature this preseason. I'm, I'm struggling to understand why that's happening. I think it, some of it is fitness, Elliot. It is. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to get injured in preseason when you've done all the preseason work. Gabriel Jesus will be gutted today. You know, cause he's got all that money. He's got all that money in the bank and he's done the preseason and now he's injured. He's got to do it all again. Now he's playing catch up. Um, some of it is new partnerships. Now, we know that, for example, when it's Sleeper and, and Gabriel, we know who's going to be aggressive. We know what's going to happen there. So the partnerships and knowing when who's going to punch in. Ben White's a puncher. Tom Yasu maybe is a bit more of a man-to-man marker. Do you know what I mean? So it's that front for anticipation. Um, I, I just think it's a it's a balancing and it's a fitness thing. And by the way, we were doing exactly the same thing. The space down the middle of the pitch was massive. We were just passing mm. it straight through to Eddie. Eddie had three yards to turn around. Against Manchester United, he got his boots kicked off him. You know what I mean? Couldn't turn around, couldn't retain it. 
everyone's worried about his retention skills. Well, me. <laughs> worried about his poor retention skills, arriving, <laughs> to, arriving too late and um, bouncing off him like a trampoline. Yesterday, could turn around, spin people, lay off. It's just where you are in your preparation and, and, and fitness. And these little details do go off. I Do I have a concern? I like to see Sleeper in the middle of our defence, in the middle of our three. I like him there. I like to see Ben White and Gabriel the other side. I like the fourth defender to be able to be a bit floaty, go in or out or punch up the sides. That's what I like. So I look for those things. Right, if we play keep your left back, I want four in the line. Maybe keep your drops inside on occasion. I look for those things. I, I look for physicality. I don't like Sleeper playing right back. You know, so that's something I would want to change. I want to keep in the middle of the pitch. That's the only thing I would say that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean. A few, so a few things there. First of all, I think Kibior gets attracted to the ball sometimes, which is a, a bit of a problem for us. I, I do want to look again at Timber's positioning. You know, is he getting close enough to party to help block off those lanes, the access to the midfield? There's there's a couple of different things I'd want to look at. I, I think in general, though, Tim, and this thing, you can talk about individual moments in the game, right? Rice had a couple of nice crosses, as as Clive refer, referred to, referenced um there, Saliba had a couple of worrying moments. I mean, if this if this was a regular game, he'd be sent off. But I don't think he would have done what he did if this was a regular game. So, you know, you can ignore that. I'm not as worried about individual moments as I am about patterns of play and things that I see recurring. And look, we can look at Liverpool last season. Liverpool were one of the most dynamic, exciting teams to watch last season, especially down the stretch. But they just couldn't get the balance between attacking and defending right. And it didn't just cost them a title challenge. It cost them top four. I mean, they were as good an attack as anybody, bar City. You know, as good as us. But they couldn't get into the top four because they couldn't keep other teams out. And I, I'm i not saying that's going to happen to us, by the way. But I think it is a reminder that getting that balance right is really important. And last season, what was so encouraging for three quarters of the season is we were a dynamic, fun attacking team that scored a ton of goals. And oh, by the way, you weren't going to score against us. You know, we conceded very few chances. Um, these these patterns of play where the ball is going right up through the heart of our midfield and getting us turning and running towards our goal, those are those are things that have to get cut out. So forgetting individual performances are the things you see structurally or partnerships or spacing questions that, that are causing this, or are you prepared to dismiss it just as we're at half intensity with our press and preseason and when when the games matter, that'll change. No, I'm I'm not prepared to dismiss it. I don't think we are at half intensity. Um, the okay. games I've seen, um, I, I think they've all looked very intense. In fact, I've seen a lot of managers reference this, um, not just in the games Arsenal are involved in, about the level of intensity. And I guess that's something that in the modern day is kind of changing um, about pre-season because you're playing big teams in front of big crowds. Um, and of course, everyone's like, no one has a summer holiday anymore. And when they do, they spend three days on the beach and two of those are running at six o'clock in the morning. And, you know, there's, there's no logging off anymore. So this all feels a lot more constant. I, I, that is something I'm concerned about. Yes, definitely. I, I think it's more a spacing question, maybe a pressing question. Um, where maybe just a few things have swapped around a little bit. You know, Jacques is not there anymore, uh, for example. And um, it, it's not just, oh my God, we've lost Granite Xhaka, therefore we can't do it. It's, it's just 
it's another person in there and that hasn't been consistent in pre-season. We've seen Smith-Rowe there. We've seen um, Declan Rice there. We've seen Kai Havertz there. And so that hasn't really settled down yet. We're going to have a different striker now. Uh, we've, we've been looking at Smith-Rowe in midfield. So we've been looking at things. So there isn't the same cohesion there because I'm not looking at our back line and I don't know, to be fair, there have been some calamitous mistakes. <laughs> like well, there have. Gabriel's yeah, against Manchester United and Ramsdale's against Manchester United. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think those are probably just pre-season things. But yeah, we had a free kick against Barcelona that went off the wall and Ramsdale was yeah, yeah, A few things but like that. Yeah. Barca and Monaco, you know, they didn't have a lot of problems getting through us. And I think that mm-hmm. is a concern. I think perhaps in the long term, um, one and, and that's actually another reason I like timber at left back just because i think in that left lane he gives us a little bit more a little bit more bulk um Mm. actually because we're probably looking at a lot of the times inchenko havertz martinelli in that kind of left lane um and actually i I quite like timber standing in there um you know almost timber by name timber by nature type of thing (laughs) um but i i I think it is a bit of a spacing thing and a bit of a pressing thing because what teams have been doing going over the top of us that isn't new and last season that was happening and we have to be honest and say even before Saliba came out that was happening our defensive metrics were down after the world cup in general and probably prior to that Saliba covered some of that and then when he came out and when Zinchenko came out it kind of all fell apart and obviously at the moment what we're trying to do almost the whole point of this preseason is making sure that perhaps those pillars do rotate a little bit more and perhaps when one of them comes, uh, which A, should help preserve the health of some players as well, but also should hopefully mean that when one player comes out, our whole world doesn't fall apart. But fairly short term, yes, I am concerned about that. Um, and, And I think perhaps another one of the ideas that we haven't really seen so far in this preseason, I do think that Declan Rice has probably been bought to be a bit of a fig leaf in that Mm -hmm. respect. And we'll probably see more of that when he gets a bit fitter and maybe a bit more attuned as well. But I kind of, one of the things I I really like about Declan Rice is he's such a fast learner. Yeah, I I don't doubt he'll pick that up. But I I do kind of think that there's going to be, like, we're not going to get more defensive, are we? Arteta's not going to talk about bringing the defensive line back. Like, we're we're going to continue to be open. Big teams have to do that. And sometimes you do just have to have players who are a bit overburdened. I think Rice will be one of those. So there are definitely some wrinkles there, like I said, I do think that against City and against Forest, it will be white right back, Saliba, Gabriel, and then probably Timber at left back. And it will start to look a bit more familiar back there because we have shuffled the pack a little bit to get minutes into people. And I'd probably worry more if those guys um, look easily exposed by the ball over the top. Um, so uh, it's definitely a concern. I think probably a short-term one, but that's also an optimistic reading. It might not be because it's been at least a medium-term concern to this point. Yeah, I mean, look, last preseason was really good. And when I look at our preseason predictions that we did last season, there's no question what we saw in preseason was reflected in what we thought we could do in the season. 
that it was not a mirage. Now, I think a big difference between this preseason and last preseason is, last preseason, I don't think we really knew who we were yet. And it was the first time that Mikel sort of implemented this system and he really tried to stick with it. And I think we saw a lot of consistency in what we did. This preseason, we know who we are. So we're trying new things. We're mixing it up. We're doing a few experiments. We're running a few projects. I think it's much easier this season for us to flip the switch on than it would have been last season when we were still figuring out who we were. But now that we've had a whole season playing like who we are, I think it's much easier to mess around a little preseason, try this, try that, and flip the switch on when the time comes to do that. Um, I do think this thing of having a little too easy access for the opposition to be able to pass it up through our midfield and turn us around, I think that's a thing. And I just can't really decide, is it is it because of the personnel we picked or the intensity of the games? We'll figure that out. I don't think we need to get too bogged down on it. I, I think we're still going to be very good. I just think, given the way we defended down the stretch last season, there's that just little bit of extra mustard on the worry around this because we're, we're all hoping that that was a blip. I want to get to a couple other performances that were really interesting. But Clive, did you want to finish up on the just, just to summarize quickly? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I th- I think I'm not sure if it's structural. It's very simple things. I think the intensity of the games have been quite high. Mm-hmm. What's different in preseason is what you do the day before a game. The day before a game, you may have a short training session, tactical, and then you go and rest your legs and get into a hotel and you're ready to go. Day before this game, they had three amazingly hard training sessions. And if you want to know how hard they were, and you see Sleeper running in that in that bottom corner in the right back slot to chase after, and he's looking a little bit leggy. Some of that, the normal way, he just pass back to the keeper, gets it back, and switches out the other side. We don't even think about it. Now he's racing into a corner, making fouls, getting booked, potentially getting sent off. You know why that is? Because he's heavy legged. That's what you get. You get heavy leggedness in key decisions that make you be a one yard off that makes you look open. When we're fresh and our pre-game prep is better and our partnerships are more solidified, which we are learning about now, um, I'm sure we'll be better um, than we were towards the end of last season defensively. Yeah, let let me say this too, and this is going to sound like such a, how do you say it? Apologia? Apologia? Is that how you say it? Um, But I think it's worth pointing out. I'm seeing tweets and WhatsApp messages and text messages from uh, friends of mine who are London-based still complaining they're waking up in the dead middle of the night from returning from LA. (laughs) Like, I know it sounds silly, but that jet lag is legit. It is no joke. And they had a pretty intense preseason running around. It's very hot weather and they've flown all the way back from LA. And like, I have no doubt that they're still a little bit jet lagged. I, I, I look at some of these teams, by the way, that are still in the US playing games. I think, um, Chelsea played in Chicago last night. Yeah, Tim just messaged me 3 a.m. before he was able to get to sleep last night. Yeah, and there was sickness I mean, this, in the this camp the as well, wasn't there, from the Barcelona game? There were people that have been sick. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm not making excuses for people, but no. it's preseason, right? It's a heavy travel session. Three different co- parts of the U.S. You know that you've got 50 different countries in your place. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> three different states. And so basically, it, it, it's a challenge. And, and But it's a challenge that you want, isn't it? You want this sort of challenge. You want well, to you see need what it. you play like under stress, right? Yeah, for, you need it for when half the Premier League fixtures are played in the United States in a few seasons. So I'm kidding. It's a joke. That will never happen. We will never let that happen. I don't even want that to happen. I'm just joking. Um, okay, let, let's get to a couple of the performances, though, that I that I think are interesting that we can tease out of this. And one of them, I think it's worth me 
just saying my unpopular opinion here. I love Emil Smith-Rowe. And I think when the ball comes to his feet, he is an electrifying player. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen a player where the delta in what they offer, the quality they provide on the ball and off the ball is so wide. Right now, Emil Smith-Rowe is a player, based on what he does on the ball, that you really want in the team on match days. But when I look at his spacing, his awareness, what he's offering off the ball, it's got to drive Mikel nuts because I'm sure he sees all the potential in this player. And, and it's just a question, can he get him to play at the right intensity and awareness off the ball? Now, Tim, you may see this differently, but you know we, we saw this, was it the LA game? When which was the game we saw? It must have been the LA game because that was the game we saw together. Yeah. Where there was that moment where Gabriel just kind of lost it with Smith Rowe because he didn't fill in the space that Gabriel had vacated. I saw quite a bit of that again against Monaco. So, how do you balance that? Is this dynamic, exciting, talented young academy player who can give us so much if he could just find that extra 15 percent he needs off the ball? Yeah, definitely. I, I saw good bits and bad bits in this game um, mm. in that respect, which I think is maybe an improvement. <laughs> uh, there, there were definitely parts where, where it wasn't quite there, and I, I don't know if he's a presser per se as well. Um, I don't know if he's built for that. I don't know if that's just because he's been carrying this injury forever and he's not been able to. That, look, that is definitely the wrinkle in his game. That's why he's not going to be first choice. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be starting against Nottingham Forest. I doubt he'll start against Manchester City. What we're trying to do at the moment, I think, is build him back up so that he's not wearing a tracksuit for 90 minutes every game and then, you know, going jogging with the subs on the pitch after the game. So, um, you know, that that that's definitely all for him to improve. I'm certain they are working on that with him. But I, I know I've said this before, but even the physically his physique looks so different and that suggests to me a will a real willingness to to work to make this work and mm. look if we're honest this is probably last chance saloon for him like if he if he doesn't do it this season that's probably it um and and in fact like I thought it was it this summer. I really did. I really thought he was going to go. That's what all the tea leaves were suggesting. So he's been given a new lease of life. And and look, that's not a bad thing to have in your squad either. That's not a bad thing, you know, perhaps to give him that kind of, okay, you've got one more chance here. You're fit now. You know, we got you the operation all nice and cleaned up. Let's let's see it. Let's see it. And and you know, it's I think quite clear from preseason he's not going to be considered a winger anymore. It's like there's one spot for well, Erdegaard's as well. I mean, he's not going to get Erdegaard's spot. It's about whether he can rotate into that spot. Can he then rotate into the left eight spot? And In, interesting though, Tim, with Vieira and Smith Rowe both starting, Mikel was willing to push Vieira out to the wing, but yep. he kept Smith Rowe at one of those interior positions. It's yep. clear he's saying that those are your roles, Emil. If you want to be in this team, you, you got to take one of those spots. It, exactly that. Exactly that. And look, the the whole like left eight thing. I know, I know we just spent sixty odd million on Havertz, but like the shirt's not his yet. Um, mm. That that might be the plan, but it's not his shirt yet. Um, and we all saw, for example, last preseason, what happened, you know, this time last year or last May, we were all in love with Tommy Asu, but 
you know, you put in a couple of good performances, the shirt's yours. So that, that's got to be the challenge for him. And I think we all know that the reason it's not Smith Rowe's shirt yet is because of what he's not doing off the ball. So yeah, absolutely. That's a concern and that's for him and the coaching staff to work on. At the moment, I don't think it's a massive concern because I don't see him starting games that often. And, and he won't until he sorts that out basically. Mm. So I'm yeah. kind of relaxed. He shouldn't be relaxed about it. I'm kind of relaxed about it because I think we have so many options there. And if he comes up to the mark on that, brilliant. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah, if we're chasing games or things like that, I, I think there are situations where you'd still want to roll the dice on what he's adding. But in terms of starting games, I think that that delta between on and off the ball contribution is going to matter. And he's in such a good position right now in a way because... I don't think Vieira has shined particularly. Reese Nelson, unfortunately, injured again at a time when you, you really feel like he could establish himself. It's so unfortunate, the timing of his injuries. Clive, that those eights, I mean, it looks like it's Odegaard's role. I think it's Havertz's role, but Rice did get a start there. Emil Smith-Rowe has only played eight this summer. Vieira's played right eight exclusively, probably the, the backup to Odegaard, but Smith-Rowe got to show his wares there. That's a really interesting couple of positions in our team right now. The only one that I would say for sure has a nailed down every match starting role is Odegaard. How do you see that competition for Odegaard's backup and left date all panning out and and maybe the the Smith row on and off the ball challenges? All right, let's, let's, let's go through a few. Right? Uh, I'll start go with I'll go I'll start with Smith Row. I I actually felt he was poor on the ball. Um, mm. I didn't see off well, the ball. Good. <laughs> I saw on ball. He turned away from through balls. He he was on the pitch for the 70 minutes and they had no key passes, no shots, no anything. Right? What he did just kept the ball. He looked like a player that would look at his stat sheet after the game. He's not playing with freedom. That panache and Paul Merson freedom that he had when he came in, that dash, it's not there. He's now looking around, he's hesitant, he's rebuilding his game. He's rebuilding his in-game confidence and he needs a goal and some influential moments for him to find himself again. At the moment, he's just playing for Arsenal and then that's why I'm with him. Physically, he's changed, but that's just maturity changing. That's not physically for the better. Mm. He's not quicker than he was. You know, He may look stronger and a bit more powerful, but he's not applying that in the challenge. So, and he's not lasting 90 minutes because he's carrying extra muscle around the pitch. So he's got to find his game. You know, Vieira now, has got a, he's got, a, statistically always looks great. He looks better statistically than he does on the eye. So for some people, mm. he doesn't quite protect the ball enough, doesn't get low enough. So he's got to learn how to buy a foul. So he tries to put his body into people and then he ends up giving fouls away to people that are six foot eight. Because you don't... <laughs> yeah. You've got to protect the ball better to use the fact that you are slight. Use it for your benefit. Get your body in the way of the ball. Use it for your benefit. Technically superb. Corners were much better than they were in the US. Um, his decisioning around the box was just a little bit off. Again, needs to maybe take a bit, be a bit more selfish. Rather than trying to pass it all the time, chop back onto your left foot and bang it in the top corner. Again, a young player. They're both they're on similar wages, similar ages, trying to find their way in the team. Now, you give Havertz that ball on the right eight situation, he's just coming inside and clipping it in the top corner. I've seen him do it for Germany against England, live. I've seen him do it. Right? So 
He scored a goal in the Champions League final. He's 24. You know, and um, can I add something to that? By the way, Clive, mm-hmm. just because I just watched the clip, there's a moment where Eddie plays Vieira in. It's a really nice through ball. Eddie turns, he plays him in. Vieira gets to the byline. He doesn't have any support yet, and you can almost see him being like, "I made the overlap. I'm at the byline. I can ch- I can cross it." Like, yeah. he, there's nobody to cross it to, so he yeah. just he plays across into a nice space. But there's no Arsenal players there, and it's so it's almost like he's just thinking. I have to do something positive here instead yeah. of trusting his and, game. And he had a lot of the ball, and I think he was more effective than than Smith Rowe in in the game. And he's now saying, "I'm a right sided player. Where do you want to mm-hmm. play me?" That's an improvement to last season, right? So, Havertz, I've got to be honest. With you, the first time I've seen him, and I thought he came on the pitch, and he just went, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to now do all the things I weren't doing in the last games. I'm going to come mm-hmm. back and steal it. He moves quicker than Shaka does." His penalty, it's like he picked it up and threw it in the top corner. It was so, so technical. <laughs> that was unbelievable. I mean, oh my God. You know what I mean by that? He's got hands for feet, right? He just flicked into the top corner like it was nothing. So uh, I've been giving him the penalties all day long. You know, mm-hmm. he looked excellent. Really, really good alive. He looked like somebody that's really bought into this. On one long goal kick, he dropped into our back line and won the first header. So they're using his body. They're finding ways to use him on first phase. He's going high. He's dropping in. Mate, he's just a, such a, it's a work in progress, but it's very exciting. But him and Rice are so bought into the learning process. You can see it, can't you? You can see it developing. Yeah. It's not perfect yet. They haven't, we haven't won a point with them yet. You know what I mean? But, but you can see that they're learning. That's only going to be for the betterment of this team. And, and, and we've got two players in Smith and Vieira who are, at a different scale of their careers, different scale of their confidence, both talented, both trying to find their way in this squad, right? Where the bar has raised. Are they going to make it? I don't know. But that's what we've got a decision to make. Do we buy or we do, or we continue to develop in that position? Because we need some right-sided cover. Yeah, it, it's funny, right? We're all like, Shock, horror, new players taking time to integrate. But it's not a shock, and it's not a horror. But I'll tell you this. Havertz came on in this game, and it looked like it was starting to click. It it looked like it was clicking. And I I thought that that was really, really encouraging. And, like, maybe it's still a little bit off from clicking for Rice, but the difference is Rice is playing a role that, first of all, I don't think he's ever played, really. Second of all, uh, you know, Havertz, I think, is coming into a role that, that is a little more natural to him. The other thing is you could say, well, Zinchenko and, and Jesus clicked right away at Arsenal last summer. They were coming from Manchester City and Pep's system, and guess what? We we play a pretty fair analog to, to Pep's system. Yeah, Clive? Can I just say, Rice will develop that role based on him. He won't yeah. be anything else. He will just do what's required. And he's the sort of player, Tim was talking the other day, which I thought was really, really smart, about a finishing team. What we've done, we've bought three players that are going to finish the league season for us. They are league season finishers, right? And Rice will do what's required in those in those winning time months, but definite. And as for Zinchenko and Jesus, let's be honest, we went from the rain to the sun. We were complaining for six months about a centre forward with Timberland boots on, and suddenly Jesus arrives. So whatever he did, we were in we were in love, and we didn't know what an inverted fullback was at the end of the season before. Then Zinchenko comes in, the other team can't get the ball for, for the first three months of the season. <laughs> so we were bought in immediately, and they were teaching us rather than, do you see what I mean? They were teaching us this game, 
And well, they're teaching me anyway. Like <laughs> this game, that was was possible. And now, as you said earlier, that we have some, we we know what the art of the possible is. We know how good we can be. Now we're trying to build upon it. Yeah, well said, uh, Tim. I don't want to cut you out of this Havertz conversation. I think it, it is tricky, right? Because Declan Rice, I think, will ultimately become a dominant number six for us. And let's be honest the the number six we have right now, as great as he's playing has two things. One, he's he's 30. Two, he has a history of just not being available at the end of season. So we're going to need Rice, if not against Forrest, a lot of times this season and many years into the future. We can afford to be patient. If you set the price tag aside for a moment, the goal is for him to be our dominant six of the future, I think. Unlike Rice, who has a dominant Thomas Party ready to start in his, you know, in his stead, I don't think we have a, a ready-made left eight to replace Shaka. And so I think it's much easier for us to see the positives in Havertz because there's no one else who's just going to say, that's my shirt, sorry. I think Thomas Party is saying with his football right now, boss, you got to pick me. If I'm Mikel Arteta, whatever I think I might be doing with Rice long-term or even early in the season, no one's replacing Thomas Party in the first 11 at, at this moment. That's not happening. So... I mean, as you look at the at the left eight situation, do you think Havertz is now showing what we need to see to feel confident going into that first game? The funny thing is I I might have thought that Trissard would have an edge on him just playing so, so well that you have to get him in the team. But as we said earlier, he's he's a pretty safe pick for nine if you wanted. How do you how do you think Havertz played and, and if he's shown enough now to say that he can start the season in that role? Yeah, I, th- I think at the moment it can still be a little bit horses for courses just because yep. the difference in the options that we have there. I would say that without Jesus, probably Havertz becomes potentially more important because he's mm. another goal threat. He's another player to get in the penalty area, perhaps someone else to support Nketiah as well so that Nketiah doesn't get lost among a sea of bodies in the penalty area. Mm. Um, but I, I, I like the look of him, I must say. And and yeah, of course, like I, I'll always be impressed by a great penalty. <laughs> <laughs> him and Jorginho, those penalties. Whew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but you're quite right. Like um I, I just think the the six situation is so interesting because we got four of them. I really don't think that that was necessarily the plan to have El Neni, Jorginho. I mean, El Neni, I think is only nominally a member of the squad really because of injury. But, you know, we've got Elneny, Jorginho, Rice and Partey. And I don't, it, it sounds like a few weeks ago there was an openness to sell Partey, which has kind of faded away. And I don't know whether that's because the number didn't hit, whether something's changed, um, you know, be it football or non-football, I don't really know. Um, but it, it kind of sounded like they were open to an offer. And now it doesn't sound like that anymore whether that's just because maybe maybe they still are um but the offer's not there maybe he's played so well in pre-season that that's that's no longer the case i don't really know so i, I just i doubt it was the plan even to have three number sixes like Partey, Jorginho and rice that that mm. doesn't strike me as as you know that's a lot of depth that that's maybe too much depth i don't even know <laughs> um but but then again maybe we're developing depth in that left eight position because rice can play there as well because havertz can play there i wouldn't mind betting that you know it would be Partey and rice again against manchester city maybe that's a champions league thing like we've developed a lot of optionality there 
Um, but you're quite right. Like the thing is with with Havertz, the guy he's nominally coming in for is gone. Whereas with Rice, no one's gone in that position. They're all still there. So it's it's kind of a weird one. It kind of maybe enables both of them just to have a little settling in period and and like for none of us to be too alarmist if they're not playing on the first game of the season or if one of them, you know, particularly Havertz could start as an interesting bench option, um, for example, or could be, you know, considered, he, he could be blended in in terms of maybe the sort of team that we're playing. So in, in one respect, I felt like Havertz was the player there was most pressure on, um, perhaps in this, in this uh, you know, in this upcoming season. And I think maybe there is because there are some doubts about him based on, on what people have seen in the Premier League. But I think we do have an opportunity maybe because when we signed him, I was thinking that's it, Havertz, he'll start pretty much all the time. And I do think it will come out like that. But all of a sudden we've developed some kind of options in Trossard and Smithrow and and Rice have, have all played there. It'd be really interesting to see whether we whether it's a bit like left back where we have a look and then it's like timber because Timber started twice in a row at left back and that tells me he's he's got that shirt at the moment. Whereas... Left eight, we've had a little look at quite a few things. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Havertz does start on the bench against Forrest, for example, and it is mm. Partey and Rice. Um, I don't really know. I, I, I think what we've done there is potentially draw the sting for both of them um, a little bit. But I, I'm still very motivated by the idea of Havertz, particularly when I see balls come into the box and, you know, like we saw in the Barcelona game, the idea of having, you know, someone on both back sticks for once, that that excites me. And I think that's going to add goals to our game this season. Yeah, <clears throat> it is so interesting. I think what we had last season, we could all name the 11 we wanted to see out there for an important game. But when that 11 couldn't be out there, it got hard real quick <laughs> to say, how do we cope without that? This season, I mean, if... You know, if Martinelli's out, no problem. You play Trissard, right? If Havertz is out, maybe you just play Declan Rice there. If Party's out, you can certainly play Declan Rice. And if Zinchenko's out, you can play Timber. And and that's all well and good. But you still need an 11 you can put out there that's as good as the one we put out last season and, frankly, maybe a little bit better. Now, to be fair, they don't need to be better because the, the, the 11 we put out there that was our best last season was on a 100-point pace. So it, it is an interesting position we find ourselves in, which is we definitely can cope with absences in a way this season that we couldn't last season. But can we just put out an 11 that can be at a 100-point pace? Maybe we'll be able to do that come November, December, January. I'm not sure we're ready to do it in August, September. So the question is how we get through those months because we have a couple of interesting games in September. I believe we have United and the North London Derby both in September. So we'll want to be ready for that. And and that leads Clive to, I think, and look, we, we won another piece of silverware yesterday. Let's not forget that. I mean, we just keep winning trophies all summer long. Um, it's, it's almost getting tedious, to be fair. Uh, but we did win the Emirates Cup and we celebrated it lustily, as you should. No celebration police there. But Clive, we have, we have Manchester City this weekend in the Community Shield. And this is a really, really tough one because... First of all, the game means absolutely nothing. I cannot reiterate enough that Liverpool beat City in the Community Shield last summer and Holland was a flop and Nunez was the GOAT and it was going to be Liverpool's season and we all know that that's exactly what happened. Oh no, wait, the opposite happened. 
So whatever happens in this game, the takeaways from it are going to probably be wrong. Yet there is a little something to this because this is the team we need to get past. And they're pretty scary. And we look a little bit rough around the edges at the moment. How do you expect Mikel to approach this? And let me throw a weird, crazy idea out there for you. Is there an argument for not approaching this too seriously? Not going after it like it's a real game and running the risk that you suffer you know, a psychological blow? Because I think if you treat it like a preseason game, you can write it off. The more seriously you treat it, you know, the more you can, you can learn some harsh lessons that stick with you. So I, I'm not really sure how we should approach it. How would, how would you? I'd, I'd pick the, the best team, the team that's shown the best over the previous preseason game. So okay. I would make sure those players who are fit, healthy, looking sharp can, can play. And the ones that need a game, like, you know, Martinelli's had a slower start. I thought he did really well in this against Monaco. That's probably the first time he's shown himself properly. Again, we know why, because he was a bit behind everybody else. It's the first time I can remember where I didn't see Saka play a game. <laughs> and, uh, so, and normally, I'm sure if he'd have played yesterday, we'd have won. You know, so it's nice for him to have a sit-down, so he'll be ready to go on Sunday. Um, so yeah, I would. I do think, obviously, there's the, there is the classic line, if we lose it, it's preseason. If we win it, it means something. But I do think if we beat City, it means something. We need to beat this team. We haven't beaten them in a long time. It's very important for this group of players to beat this team. I'm not dismissing it. If you lose it, no one's going to say anything. They've beaten everyone last year. But if we win it, I think it's a, a little bit of belief into our camp that we can compete. When we played them in the FA Cup last year. I thought we did quite well in that game. I thought the way we played Haaland was really good. We threw a body at him in the first half. He got substituted at halftime. Then we threw more bodies at him afterwards. And we mixed and matched the team. and got beat by a, a bit of a strange goal. Right? None of us cared because we were focused on the league. But when we went to play him in the league game, we, we, won, we showed a little bit of fear. We didn't want to get as tight. We were stretched out. We, were, we didn't pick the right team, in my opinion. We didn't pick a system for that game. We have players who were sick or players who were injured, not playing well, unfit in our midfield. And we got beat. And it was, we got beat up. So I do think it's important to remember that and to play this game on the weekend with a level of, yeah, we care about this. It matters. If we lose, we lose. But I think we really need to care about it and really go for them. If we run out of path and they do something special, then I can, I, who's going to say anything? No one's going to say anything, are they? Everyone expects them to win everything again, don't they? Uh, and so, yeah, but I do think it's important for us to beat this team more than more than any other. You know, I think it really is. This game, beating Man City and beating Man United at Old Trafford are the two things I, I want to see this season for us. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it it can matter. <laughs> It, the key is not letting it matter to the downside. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, if we win it 5-0, I'm going to say it matters. Of course, if you lose it 5-0, you want to make sure that doesn't matter. Right? That's the, that's the one thing you want to be careful about. I mean, the last time we played Manchester City, it was pretty disheartening. Um, I don't expect that again. I, I, don't re- I have to admit, I haven't been keeping up with Manchester City's preseason. Um, I'm not sure 
been all what right. Kind of, I think yeah. they've been in Asia, haven't they? They've, they've, I think they've won most, but I think they lost one by the odd goal. I mean, things happen. Liverpool got bopped yesterday 4 3 by Bayern Munich. Um, things happen in pre season. May United put out a young team against Wrexham, got beat. I think they played, someone played Dortmund, I think they did, and it was a struggle for them. There are, there are things happening in pre season. You can't just look at the result and say, well, that looks a bit strange. Because everyone's getting 60 minutes or 30 minutes in a game. Sometimes two complete 45s. Man City, you could say right now, they've signed Guardiola, I think, today. Are they stronger than they were last year? Probably not. As a squad. You know, so... Mm. But we are. So, let's see. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Well, I think, Tim, I'll, I'll sort of finish up here with you on this game. I... I tend to agree with Clive that whatever happens in this game, it is our last chance to sort of taxi onto the runway for the season. And so I do think we want to put out, at least in the first half, the team we might think we might use against Forrest. Now, the irony mm-hmm. is the team you might want to use against Forrest at the Emirates is not necessarily the team that's suited to play City, right? Like, I, like if this was a league game in November, and we were going to the Etihad and Declan Rice is fully up and running and parties fit and, you know, everybody's available. We might say we're going to play Timber at left back and we're going to play Rice and we're going to play party and we're going to be physical and we're going to, you know, try to win the duels and, you know, keep them from playing through us the way they did in the last game. But this isn't that. And I don't think we necessarily want to go into this game trialing a game plan specific to City that doesn't position us to be ready for Forest. So my priority would be playing the 11 we kind of want to use for Forrest and give them one half of a run out together to feel comfortable, that just may not go well against City in particular. Would you approach it as prep for Forrest or would you approach it as a chance to try things specific to how we'll play City later in the season? Yeah, that that's the really difficult thing, actually. I think that's, in in some ways, this can be really useful. I think if we, if we beat City, we can absolutely use it as energy, a uh, little bit of fuel, a little bit of belief going into the season. But you're right, it's not it's not really. None of our pre-season games have been the best preparation for Nottingham Forest at home, um, to be honest. However, you know, that that's a kind of game that's going to happen to us quite a lot anyway. And look, Nottingham Forest's away record last season, I think they got seven points away from home. Mm. I think they they were close to the worst away record in Premier League history. I think that Derby team that got 12 points overall um, might have been just a little bit worse. I think I think it was the second worst. So, like, really, and look, they might not be the same team, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know what they've been doing pre-season. I'm you know, learn and grow and all of that. They've got the same coach, but really we should be looking at that as a gift of a first game, to be honest. Like that's the one you'd hand pick if if you were going to pick one. So I kind of think, not to completely dismiss Forrest because I wouldn't be surprised if it was a difficult game and we had to scrap it out 1-0 because we're at 70-80% or, or whatever. And if you gave me 1-0 at Forrest against Forrest now, I'd take it and move on for all the reasons we've talked about because I don't think we're going to be at kind of full tilt yet. However, I think this should be more of a season primer than a forest primer, if that makes sense. And and yeah. not least because, like you said, like they're, they're so, so different. And I think actually the belief we could get, even from giving City a game and, you know, maybe drawing and losing on penalties and just 
not getting smashed <laughs> 4-1 again. Um, you know, I think that would really have its uses. And, and as Clive said, like they've sold a couple of players um, and I'm not necessarily sure they've replaced them all yet. And City, like City, by their nature, they don't fly into seasons, really. They didn't fly into last season. All the stuff we're talking about now, City were working all of that out this time last year. Yeah. How do we play with Haaland? How do we play without Cancelo? Well, they decided to take Cancelo out as a consequence of having Haaland. And, you know, uh, Nathan Ake, Ake at left-back, does that really work? Is that something we want to do? Yeah, it is, it turned out. It just took some time for them to figure it out. So, you know, this this is a good... T- and they've been travelling more recently than us. So this is, you know, this is a good time perhaps to just give them a little bop on the nose. And, you know, I, I'm sure that they wouldn't look at that and, and shit their pants. They lost to Liverpool in the Community Shield last season and that didn't really mean anything for the season. But I do think it's important we don't get beaten badly in this game um, and therefore I, I kind of prioritise that rather than you know trying to roll out what we're going to try and do against Nottingham Forest Nottingham Forest should be a template game um, as it were this is the kind of game we're going to play next season where you know might have to water that template a little bit yeah fair enough I mean there were a lot of think pieces a lot of social media posts a lot of YouTube videos around why Holland has made City worse and that looked really smart until it looked really stupid. Um, I kind of think you're going to see similar posts and articles and videos about Rice or Havertz, and it might look smart until it looks really stupid. And I do see the similarities there. Um, I think this preseason, let's be honest, I don't think it's been the roaring success of last preseason. But as I said, Last preseason, we were figuring out who we were. And this was a whole new way of playing, and it was eye-catching, and wow, look look how good we might be. This preseason, we know who we are. We're tweaking. Clive, as a final thought, just on preseason, as it sort of wraps up, depending on how you look at the community shield, what would you say, just as sort of at a very high level, are the questions you're carrying into this game this weekend and, and into the season that will need to be sorted out pretty quickly for you to feel like we're now ready to really make another assault on the title. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about anything being sorted out super quickly. Um, we live in an era where skills competitions get analyzed. Do you know what I mean? And people take their opinions on players about how they Havertz can kick a ball. didn't score a single goal from that corner yeah. cross challenge thing. He's rubbish. Get yeah, people are saying, oh, that Keeville's quite a good player, isn't he? Because he can kick a ball against a a metal thing you know so it's like so we we live in an era that's the era that we live in so we have to be cool and just analyze what we see i'm not i'm not worried i look at the group of players that we have and think they're the right players the right types to play the football that we've been playing for the last year or so so we just need you know potentially are we a bit light up front oh, i think we could be you know i honestly i think we could be but if we develop with that position, maybe we'll be okay. We there is a massive expectation around this group at the moment. It's huge, and you know I don't want to lose badly. I'd like to win, but I don't think we can lose on Sunday. If that makes sense, if we do get bopped, expectation levels fall, and we can play without pressure. If we do win, it's great. We beat a Man City, it gives us a belief. Do you know what I mean? I I don't think we can lose. 
I think the most important thing is as as a group, we as a group of fans as well, we we move away from this self-imposed pressure that we put on ourselves to pick mm. teams, to pick 11s, to find combinations. Let's give it a little bit of time. That self-imposed pressure, it feeds its way through to the players and that's what eventually will, will break us. If we can stay cool and play and stay calm, allow this to develop, you're wanting these type of players, these quality of players, the investment's coming, the alignment's there, the project's on a roll. We all wanted this stuff. It's now here. Let's not find new problems based on the fact that we've got more people to choose from. We should just hopefully leave that pressure to the coach and embrace the fact that we are going in the right direction and the things we spoke about Next England captain choosing us means that not just we think we're going in the right direction, that players in the game think we're going in the right direction. So try and stay cool, Elliot, until the points really matter. They don't matter yet. And so in a couple of weeks' time, when the squad is defined, we'll go again. Yeah. Yep. Well said, as always. I, I think my thing I want to see is just show me that our press is back, that our control of games is back. I'm convinced we'll score goals. I'm convinced we'll create chances. Liverpool last season are the cautionary tale of what happens when you get that balance wrong. And the last few months of last season combined with this preseason have me just wanting to see that we get the distances off the ball right, that we block those passing lanes into midfield, that we close down the opposition and take the ball back and create chances in transition. But mostly just make sure that we're not watching the ball move through space easily and we're running back at our goal. That's that's the one bit from this preseason that I want to make sure doesn't carry into the season. And while I don't think it will, you know, I think it would be a lie if I didn't say I don't have the concern. If we had been tight defensively throughout the end of last season, then I think I'd just say, hey, it's preseason. We're trying things. The combination of the two means that that's the one thing I'd really like to see. And then secondarily, obviously, we're all going to be looking at when does Rice go from playing within himself and figuring it out and getting to be a part of the group to just displaying that, I think, imperious talent that he has, that that elite athleticism, physicality, dominance, technical quality that we know is in there and, and kind of start to take us up another level. We are very, very fortunate to have another player who can do some of that, though, in his stead. So not nothing to be too worried about. I think we can leave it there. Um, we'll obviously have an instant reaction after the Community Shield. Very, very interesting opportunity to play some psychological games with Pep early before the season starts. Always interesting to see how Pep and Mikel face off against one another. Will they take it seriously, quote-unquote, will we, how we do it? Very curious to see. So we'll have an instant reaction after that. We'll have the main pod next week. And then uh, the second pod of next week, we will do our season preview prediction stuff. Um, and we then post those on the website. So if you want to look, by the way, you can see last summer's predictions. And I think what you'll see in last summer's predictions, you can definitely see how influenced they were by the preseason we had. Like I had us finishing third, right? I don't think anyone going into last season would have thought Arsenal for third, right? But the way we had played the season before combined with the preseason. So I'll be curious to see how preseason influences us and the fact that we'll be doing those predictions following the Community Shield. I wonder how much things will slide. It'll be interesting and we'll see, uh, but we'll leave it until that time. And thank you so much for being here. We love you. We'll say goodbye to Clive. He's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thank you very much, Clive. Thank you very much. I stole your line. And Tim was on Twitter at Stillmanator. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Elliot, this last preseason was about raising the ceiling. This one's about raising the floor. Think about it that way. Okay. I like it. Can we <laughs> raise 
the roof? Is that a thing? Do, Ra- do kids raise still it say all. that? Raise it all. Raise raise a trophy. How about that? Can we can we raise the Premier League trophy? We can leave it on that. Okay. I hope uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're enjoying the summer. The good news is that we can take all this stuff pretty lightly, but soon will come the time when we have to take it deathly seriously, and uh, it becomes. I think it's fair to say the singularly most important thing in all of our lives. So let's get ready for that. Get ready to take it very, very, very seriously. Okay. We'll leave it there. We love you. My goodness, we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Manchester City. No. 